chapter 6. Hebrews chapter 6. Oh, hallelujah, I am excited. I am excited. Our Father's so good. He's just so good. His word is so good. His way is so good. He just never ceases to, he never gets old. His mercies, His goodness, His kindness, His love. Uh, not just for me, but for all of us. For all of us. And uh, our Father, it's just uh, who He is. He just yearns for our victory and our blessing and our peace. And uh, He's done so much. And uh, praise God. So anyway, if you've not been with us of late, if you've not been able to keep up with us a few weeks ago uh, at the Lord's direction, I believe, God had me to begin in these Wednesday night services to talk about something He dealt with me way back in June of this year about actually writing a book. And, and I have a selfish motivation. I, I'll get special utterance when I, when I preach on something. And uh, I've got some folks helping me translate some of that, and it'll help me with my book. So thank you for helping me write my next book. I appreciate that. And we'll all be helped in the process. But uh, the Lord began to just uh, emphasize to me uh, that there's a need for some balance uh, in the faith camp. Amen. And I'm, a fa- I'm in on faith, you know. Uh, praise God. Can't please God. All that stuff, you know. I- I'm so in on faith. Uh, but we, we in the faith company, you know, we, we tend to maybe want to pick on, we could even look down on, shouldn't, other camps and even denominations and different things where they may be missing it. But, you know, we faith people, we've been around long enough to develop our own problems and yep. sacred cows and, and uh, things that are just not right. Amen. Yeah. And, uh, you know, balance is such, a, such an important thing. And uh, when it comes to prosperity, faith is not all there is to your prosperity. Really, if you want to consider any of the promises of God, you won't uh, experience those promises by faith alone. Now, again, depending on your background, that can, that can be like petting your fur backwards. What do you mean? <laughs> Faith's all I need. Well, that's not what the Bible says. Amen. Amen. The Bible says it's not faith only, period, done. It's faith plus. It's faith and. It's certainly not not faith. (laughs) Faith is paramount, but it's faith and. Look at Hebrews chapter 6, 12. Hebrews chapter 6, 12. And so we're talking about the subject of practical prosperity. And that may not sound, ooh, spiritual, but it's very spiritual. Because the teaching about the practical part of success in this life, amen, is in the book. I'm not preaching to you from any other book. And this is a spiritual book. Inspired, don't we believe that? Inspired of who? God breathed. Inspired of the Holy Ghost. So the practical elements, the hands-on, earthly, natural elements... Spoken about in the book, they came from a spirit being and are very spiritual. Amen? Praise God. So Hebrews chapter 6, verse uh, 12. Let's back up and read verse 11 and 12. It says, And we desire that every one of you do show the same, what? Diligence. Diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end, that ye be not slothful, 
Amen. So have you decided, I'm not going to be slothful? I've decided I'm not going to be slothful. I'm not. But then it goes on, so be not slothful, but what? Followers of them who through faith. Followers of them who through faith, period, end of story. They inherit the promises. No, be followers of them who through faith and. Everyone say faith and. Faith and. Not faith only. Faith and. Faith and what? Faith and patience. It's just another word that includes all things that diligence means. Patience means steady, constant perseverance and endurance. Staying the same no matter what conditions may come. If you're patient, you're not just waiting but mad. You're, you're eagerly, positively standing the same. Unmoved and unchanged by whatever wind and Satan and circumstances want to, to try to bring your way to really stop your faith. Right. Amen? So see, if you don't add patience, endurance steadfastness to your faith, you will give up on your faith. You will let go of your faith. So you must add something to your faith. And it says that uh, you need to follow people, not just people of faith, but people who are stick-with-it people. People who are stay-with-it people. You you meet someone who's had five pastors in five years, you ought to stay away from them. They're not stable. They're not hearing from God. Oh, I heard from God about every move. No, they didn't. I just promise you, they did not. God is not that flaky. God is not schizophrenic. God is not given to change. Not like that. Amen? And so we are not to be slothful, but we are to be followers of those. Why? So we can learn from their example, become like them, be like them, followers of those who, yes, they have faith, and patience, endurance. Go over with me real quick to 1 Peter. You're not far from there. Actually, it's 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1. Now, I tell you what. I, I know you may be thinking about candy canes and stockings and all that. I am too. But if you will, you came, you came, you're logged on, you're watching. If you will grab hold of what I have taught and what I'm going to teach you tonight that God's been sharing with me, it will change your life. It will revolutionize your life. Amen. It will separate you from the mediocre. It will be such an answer. There's such, if we just give me a little time here tonight, there's, there's answers that God wants to flow out. Believe with me. Uh, stay hooked on with me. Uh, don't, don't let your mind wander somewhere. Be here. Amen. You brought your body here, now be here. Yes. Amen. Be present yes. where you are present. Yes. Amen. Now, let's read 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 4. Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these we might be partakers of the divine nature. Don't you love that language? Partakers of the divine nature. Hmm. That'll keep you awake at night trying to process what that even means. To partake of all all the things that make God God. We are to partake of His divine nature. How are we going to do it? Through these exceedingly great and precious promises. 
through the avenue of these promises, we'll enter into this wonderful, miraculous life. Having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And besides this, oh, here it is again, giving all diligence. Do you see this ingredient is now added again into the instruction? Giving all diligence, what does it say? Add to your faith. If it's faith only, guys, then this is the second scripture that says faith and. Add to your faith. Faith alone won't get you to the finish line. Faith has pillars that come up underneath it and support the faith. That keep the faith that's so vitally important in its place. What are we supposed to add to our faith? Virtue. You know what that means? Moral excellence. People that try to appropriate the promises of God, but they are not morally excellent, they, 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 their faith won't produce. That, that, that's injured faith. That's handicapped faith. The faith of God is a force that flows out of a holy God. A moral God. Now the world around us, they don't care about morality. They, they don't give a rip about morality. Amen. I'm just sitting there minding my own business, lifting weights uh, the other day. And I got two guys. He, one guy came up and asked another guy. He's an orthopedic guy. Question, no problem. And I mean out of both of them. I mean it's F-bomb, 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 F-bomb. My guys, come on. I was trying to work up the boldness to be like Jesse DePlantis and just start shouting glory and praise to God and say, God gets equal time here if you're going to give the devil all this time. I'm, I'm working on myself. But anyway, I kind of gave him a look and I just started, you know, kind of praise the Lord, bless God, whatever. But, you know, people are just not, and they don't think anything about it. That's just the flow. That's just the flow. That's how they talk. I'm sure they're, they're good guys in some earthly definition. But they certainly didn't care about who's around them. No. And so, I'm not supposed to preach on this, but moral excellence. We're supposed to add to our faith moral excellence. You're supposed to be excellent with your morality. That needs to be preached on. We'll leave it alone. But then it goes on and says we need to add other things to our faith. It says add to your moral excellence knowledge. See, you need to know some things. That's why you come to church, for one. Amen? And adding to knowledge, what, are, what does it say? Temperance. And we're going to get to that, Lord willing, tonight. Temperance is to be added to your faith. You all know what temperance means? Self-control. So what does it say? Add to your faith self-control. And it goes on and lists several other attributes like brotherly kindness, brotherly love, these different things. Notice the end result, verse 8. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren or unfruitful. A lot of people are trying to not be barren and not be unfruitful by faith alone. And they're never making progress because they've got all this other stuff missing. They've got to add some moral excellence. They've got to add some knowledge. They need to add some self-control. How about a little kindness? How about a bit of a little love toward the brethren? These are all things that affect the outflow of your life. What you can produce 
and what you can receive. Are you all with me? It goes on and says in verse 9, But he that lacks these things, the one that lacks moral excellence in these other things, what does it say about him? He's blind. They're blind. Uh, Other translations say they're short-sighted. See, they got a hold of faith, and they think that's all there is. And they're not long-sighted enough to get the big picture, the whole picture. Okay, don't get quiet on me. They cannot see afar afar off and have have forgotten that he was purged from his old... Verse 10, Wherefore the rather brethren give diligence, diligence, amen, uh, praise God, to make your calling and your election sure. For if you will do these things, you will never fall. You will never stumble. But have I made my point? It's not faith only. It's faith and, it's faith plus. And in the adding of these things, the element of diligence must be applied. And so we've been talking for a couple of weeks now about the importance of diligence and how the Bible teaches so plainly we are not going to prosper like we should making confessions but not being diligent. Bringing our tithe and then doing nothing else but playing Xbox, that's not going to get you blessed. It's, it's all of it. Now go with me to the book of Proverbs. We're going to get into this meat of it real quick here. Now while you go to... Let's, uh, I brought my whole sermon series notes here with me. Um, but let's advance. I want you to go to Proverbs 13, verse 4. And while you're going there, I wanted to remind you, Duke, because I only went over it the one time, what we, knew, what we learned about what diligence means. What, it is, what is diligence? Well, remember, one of the meanings is vehement. If you're vehement about something, it means you're hmm, white hot. You're passionate about it. It means eager. It means earnest. The word diligent means to make, to manufacture, to pay attention. It means to complete exactly. Here's one I like. It means to dawn or to do at dawn. Mm-hmm. What, it, what that means is do it early. Don't procrastinate. Do it quick. Do it early. Do it now. Don't delay. Amen or oh me. Just pick one, right? Okay. Webster's 1828 says that it means to make steady application in business, to be constant in effort and exertion to accomplish what you've undertaken. It means to be industrious like the ant, to not be idle or negligent. Webster says it's the opposite of lazy. And we've seen that this is supposed to be applied to our spiritual lives, to our natural lives. Amen? All right, Proverbs 13, verse 4. Mm, glory. All right. The sun, sorry, I've already eaten this meal. So I hope you like it. Proverbs 13, verse 4. The soul of the sluggard, that's another way of saying lazy or slothful. The soul of the sluggard desires, they do desire. Everyone desires, don't they? Anyway yet has nothing. But the soul of the diligent shall be made fat. That means abundantly blessed or prosperous. The Bible in basic English says it this way. 
The hater of work does not get his desires. But the soul of the hard workers will be made fat. Okay. Now, let's, let's go slow a minute. The commonalities, the, the shared traits in this verse of the diligent and the slothful are what? Desire. They both have desire. Who doesn't? Everybody wants to live a great life. Everybody wants to look good, feel good, be productive. They want their life to count for something, right? Come on, everybody has desires for good things, blessings. We all want, uh, you know, most of us, we want a, uh, a nice place to live, and we want to have enough money to go places, and, and we want a good life. Amen. And the lazy one and the diligent one, they share that. They share that. But where's the difference in the two is that the lazy one, the one who lacks diligence, okay, desires but goes without. That's right. It doesn't matter how many confessions they make. It doesn't matter how many prayers they pray. It doesn't matter how spiritual they think themselves to be. They're going to go without their desire. All the while, the one who is practicing and developing and diligent, they will experience the thing they desire. Amen. Now, the message translation, I shared this with you in that first lesson, is my favorite. And, uh, you know, the message, I don't recommend that as your primary reading, but sometimes they just hit the ball out of the park, okay? And so their translation of this says indolence, Remember that word? Indolence wants it all and gets nothing. The energetic have something to show for their lives. Amen. Now, people think, you know, it's, it's really a deception. You know, the people who are lazy and slothful, I know we don't know any of these people. I don't know where they are. We're talking about them, but I don't know why the Lord has me talking to the most diligent crowd in Paducah, you know, about this issue. But... Uh, Maybe he knows something I don't quite know. And, uh, but uh, the deception is, is that if I'm lazy, I'm, get, I'm, I'm getting out of. I'm not doing all that sweating. I'm resting. And, and they, they, they really think in the moment that they're the advantaged one. But how do you inwardly feel? How do you think that one inwardly feels? They desire things. But as time goes on, the desire remains, but they don't have it. They're looking at the Word. Someone drove them to church, you know, probably walked them in or something, you know, whatever. They, 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 they see the promises of God, but they don't have them. They see healing in the Word, but they don't have it. And they think maybe it's just a faith issue. You look at someone, they have a great marriage. They have great finances. They're being used of God. Whatever the case may be, that person desires. Now, in the moment, they think they're the blessed one, they're the advantaged one by just not doing what the other one is seemingly suffering doing. Hello. But how would you feel, you know, over a year, two years, all, you have desires, but they're continually not coming to fruition. Right. To, you shoot, it's me some, some emotions or some adjectives of how that person might feel inwardly over time. 
discouraged, frustrated, depressed? Are they going to have confidence? Are they going to feel good about themselves? No. No, no, no. No, so ultimately the lazy life is the frustrated life. What else did you say? The discouraged life. The depressed life. It's the go without life. That's, that's not us, right? That is not us. That is not this crowd here. Amen. Well, let me go over that word indolence real quick again. It means freedom from pain. There are people, their, their main goal in life is to do anything, everything they can to minimize their pain. And by that, I mean their discomfort. I mean, they like how the lazy boy feels. And anything outside of a lazy boy feel, I'm talking about the brand of chair, you know what I mean? Amen. Then they don't, if there's exertion, sweat, effort, sacrifice, they, they, they recoil from the prospect of that. That doesn't sound like something they want to do, and so they don't. And the end result is, again, they don't have these desires that they do have. So they have this freedom from pain. It's habitual idleness. It's a, I don't like this word, it's indisposition. If you have a disposition towards something, it means you have a bent towards something. Well, their bent is toward, I am not doing anything uncomfortable. Amen. It is inaction of the body and mind proceeding from a love of ease. They have an aversion to work or toil. And their laziness stems from a strong desire, again, to avoid anything and everything uncomfortable. Get up when? Work, work till when? Right? It's a love for all things easy. Amen? And so this lack of diligence produces frustration, depression, discouragement low self-esteem, all the stuff that goes with it. Amen? Amen. What this verse is saying, the Cody translation, no pain, no gain. So if your mission, if you find someone, help them with this message. If you find someone that fits this description, no pain. That's my goal, no pain. No discomfort, no inconvenience, no exertion. I do what's easy. I do what I like. I do what makes me smile. No pain. What? No gain. No gain. That's the title of my message. And again, it's sad because this lazy person, this slothful person, they don't think that they've got all kinds of reasons why in whatever area that it is the way it is. And nowhere on the list is them being lazy on that list. Right? I mean, they've rationalized. They've got, they've got all kinds. And they, you hang around people like this, they'll help you come up with all kinds of reasons why things are not happening in your life. But you know, the mindset that produces this lack of diligence, this indolent attitude, it won't just stay in the one area you embrace it. The mindset that produced 
that, that being okay, not being diligent in this one area, will sneak into other areas of your life. You know, if you just let yourself go with food, then it's, you get that, the mentality that produces that will also endeavor to apply itself to your prayer life. And if you never get a control about what goes in, then if first the natural, then the spiritual. If you can't get it in the natural, you won't get it in the spiritual. I said, if you can't get it in the natural, you won't get it in the spiritual. So if there's no natural diligence being demonstrated, you've told me a lot about your spiritual life and what's lacking. Amen or oh me, pick one, right? Amen. No, there's, listen, there's good news coming in about... Two minutes here, maybe. I'm telling you. Amen. Amen. And so we have to be careful. We cannot be okay in any, you know, significant arena of our life. Name some area in your life where it's okay to be just totally lazy. I can't think of one. Where it's going to help you, where it's going to be. I'm not talking about taking a day of rest. That's not being lazy. That's being a doer of the Word. That's being diligent. That's being scriptural. I have to be diligent about resting. Amen? Amen. And so anyway, the cost of this uh, infection of thought getting in and taking root is, is devastating. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I've met folks, I've been there myself. I'm not going to talk about anybody else, I've just been there myself. Let's go to Romans chapter 7. This, this is so good what God shared with me. Um. Most of the people that I run with have any significant interaction with. They're like me. They have some areas in their life where they want to be diligent. They don't want to be lazy. They, they, they want to be diligent. They want to be everything that I just described in that area. And they've tried, but they failed. And they failed, 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 and they failed. And they they have developed a lot of faith in failing in that area. And it it breeds what we described together, the discouragement, the hopelessness, the despondency, the despair. Amen? And God dealt with me about that this week in that there is an answer, and it's not quitting. You're going to get some help if you'll stay with it. It's not quitting. Quitting dishonors God. Quitting dishonors God. There's no quitting God. Uh Uh-uh. No, there's no no quitting that. There's no quitting. Uh, You know, quitting guarantees defeat. Quitting guarantees. It seals your defeat in that area. And so all of the frustration and the sadness and the disappointment and the disillusionment, you've said, I'm signing up to feel this way in this area for the rest of my life if you quit. The answer is not quit. Man, I I don't have time to tell you that whole struggle that I have been through with heeding God's Word diligently to me, not you, to me. He told me, get up at 6 a.m., six days a week. Don't do anything else. Spend time with me. Don't read anybody's books. Don't listen to tapes. You read your Bible, you can worship me, you can pray. You and me time. OMG, how tough that has been on me over the years. 
And I have felt all of that. I, I have held, I've had temper tantrums with the Lord. I've screamed. I've cried. That sounds silly to some of you, like, uh, you know, like Mr. Wake Up the Sun over here. And uh, there's one over there. You know, how many of you love to get up early? I see, I don't get you. Y'all lay hands on me after the service. Amen. But I couldn't talk him out of it. I couldn't get him back off of it. And oh my, anyway. And I have felt all of that frustrated. I felt unworthy. How silly, I can't do it. I've limited God and how He can use me because I can't pass His test. Amen? And uh, the Lord, He helps me. Now, I'm not perfect, but I'm telling you, He helps me. And I want, he, He'll help you. Amen. He'll help you. Look at Romans chapter 7 real quick, and let's look at the dilemma of discipline. To get, there is no diligence without discipline. I know you hate that word. I don't like the word. Discipline. Right? Right? It's got a lot of letters, but it sounds like a four-letter word, right? <laughs> discipline. You guys, real quick, tell me what discipline is. How would you define discipline? Being consistent, doing the right thing when nobody's looking. Uh-huh. But I do right things without people looking that I like to do and enjoy doing all the time. So that's not discipline. Discipline means to do something consistently that you do not want or feel like doing. It wouldn't require discipline if you felt like doing it. Right? Some of you are disciplined with chips. Disciplined with cookies. You are disciplined. You are disciplined in some areas. Right? That's not where... So discipline is to do something consistently that you don't feel or want to do. But you do. But you do, and you do it often. You do it consistently. That is discipline. And you cannot get to diligence and all the benefits without, or diligence without the discipline. Amen? And so maybe you feel like Paul felt. In Deuteronomy, or uh, Romans chapter 7, verse 18. How many of you can identify with what he's going through here? He says, For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwells no good thing. Right. <laughs> For to will is present with me. What's he saying? I have a desire to do it. I really do. I really do yeah. want to be fit. I don't want to be an undisciplined spender of money. I want to have a disciplined prayer habit. I really do. I really want to be consistent and disciplined with my Bible. I do, Pastor. I believe you. And so Paul said, to will is present with me. But how to perform the thing that is good, I find not. For the good that I would, excuse me, for the good that I would, I do not. See, I want to do this good thing. I don't do it. Right. And the evil thing I don't want to do, that I practice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Does the Bible tell the truth? Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Now, if I do that I would not, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwells in me. Catch this revelation. Wanting to do what you know is profitable and right. But for whatever reason you don't, that's sin. 
at work in you. <laughs> Sin means to miss the mark. How many of you know Jesus never willed to do what was right and didn't do it? Get that revelation. It's, this is why we cannot be okay. We cannot come to an agreement in ourselves that we're going to leave this alone in this area and just live with it. It's sin at work in you. It's sin at work in me. In our flesh. In our flesh is no good thing. Amen. So he goes on and says, Now I do, if I do... If I do that which I would not, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwells in me. I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. When my alarm goes off, evil, I find out evil is present with me. Right. <laughs> evil is present with me. I mean, I love you, Miss Denise, and you didn't know, but I had declared, I had declared this declaration about a diet move, I, and I'm committed to it, but, and I've been doing great, I am doing great, but last night I was so sorely tempted. I mean, those lemon bars were like 10 feet away. And Rex was eating a brownie, and, and oh, evil is present with me. How many of you know when you make a decision, and you've, you've done it for a good, right reason, and the temptation to violate that when it comes... What is that? Is that coming from God? No. Is that okay? No, that's not okay. That's sin yeah. present within our flesh. How many you know our, how far we go with God is very dependent on us showing Him we have gained some mastery over this thing. Because the higher you go in the Spirit, there's a lot greater, more significant temptations the devil will make sure you face mm -hmm. a lot higher than lemon bars right. and cookies. Right. If we can't say no to those things, right. God will prevent us from going to that place in the Spirit where we will attract that higher level intense opposition from the enemy. It's going to limit our usefulness in the kingdom. If we make a treaty with our flesh to be okay quitting and being undisciplined in some area. Right. It, it becomes a very serious thing. Mm -hmm. You know, several years into this battle that I had, getting up in the morning, God reached over in one day and He said, I didn't see it in a vision, but He said to me, I just want you to know, son, I just pushed the pause button on your life. Think about that. My life and my ministry. He said, you're going no further till you get this settled. Mm -hmm. Now, is God, it sounds to the flesh and to the unrenewed mind like God is making much of nothing. 6, 7, 7.30, what's the difference? It's not about the time. It's about me mastering my flesh. And I have to demonstrate mastery to qualify for where God wants to take me. Yes. And He will use the natural to qualify you for the spiritual. Yes. It's getting heavy. 
These are not just play with it preferential issues. Your flesh can disqualify you. Amen. And uh, so we see this dilemma. And uh, I don't want to keep you undoing it here. There's just so much here. But in this, you know, God began to deal with me. He said, Son, do you see this weakness? It's not your will. It's not your spirit. It's not the real you, but it is your flesh. Mm-hmm. It is your flesh. And uh, you, just like most of you, we try to conquer, we try to become diligent, be diligent through the flesh. Mm-hmm. Right? Willpower, techniques, motivation, whatever it is, we're, we're trying to fight the natural with the natural. Right. And God said, son, any, he said this to me earlier this week, anyone, anyone, who is demonstrating diligence in any area of their life. They're disciplined. He said, that is a work of my grace in them. All real diligence, all real discipline is a work of God's grace in us. We can't beat our chest and say, look at me, how disciplined I am. That's pride, isn't it? Amen. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 12 with me. I'm going to have to condense it. Oh, I wish I could be like Paul and preach till midnight, you know, and Eutychus would fall out and we'd all be upset and all that. So so just a couple, can you handle a couple more minutes here? This is so, I just, to me, the way God dealt with me, the the tenderness of God, the kindness. He's not mad at anybody, but he's got an answer for this. He's got an answer for this. And he reminded me, it's like I hadn't seen it. Temperance, self-control, key ingredient to diligence and discipline. That's the only way you'll get there is to be able to control yourself. Is that a work of your natural flesh? What is it? Where do we? It's a fruit of the Spirit, Miss Stacy said correctly. So we won't go to Galatians chapter 5. But he said the fruits of the, for the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, right? All those patience, kindness, meekness temperance. Where does this ability, this quality that would enable a person to control themselves, discipline themselves, where does it come from? It's a fruit of the Spirit. It's not a fruit of your flesh. It's not a function of your willpower. If you were just stronger. And that's where we, 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 we can turn on ourselves What's wrong with me? Why can't I? They can. Why can't I? Whatever. Amen? And it's not you. It's not me. The answer is, like it always is, Him. Looking to Him. Finally, after years, I told God, I can't do it. I, I just, I can't. I cannot do it. Would you please help me? God didn't make fun of me. And you know what? I started noticing some things. When I would, I would go to bed, let's not forget faith. I would go to bed in faith. How, how about that? We think faith's just for three or four things, and we don't think about our faith. But I would start saying, Now, Holy Spirit, you're my helper. 
You know my bent. I need your help. Quicken me. Help me (laughs) to be awake and alert at the right time where my eyes aren't heavy. And I would wake up five, ten minutes before the alarm went off, wide awake, alert, ready to spring awake. And here's what I found. In that moment now, now the help has come. But he doesn't, what do they, levitate me off the bed. (laughs) (laughs) He doesn't levitate me off the bed and turn me vertical and put my feet on the floor. What I have to do, that help always comes, guys. But I have to respond to it. And when I respond to it, he just continues to help me. And those mornings are so much easier. But there have been times where I go, no to the help. Oh, and if I be like the door on the hinge and creak over to the other side and close my eyes, yep. he's trying to help me, but I, I will have grieved him. Amen. And I won't wake up till 8.30. Right. And now, how do I wake up? Growing. Well, I wake up discouraged. I wake up knowing the first thing I get to do today is repent. Yep. The first thing I do today is to have to go get on my knees and take advantage of the blood and repent again. Right? Amen. Amen. But that's not so much my point. The point is is that there is such help (laughs) available. 2 Corinthians 12. This is so good. 8.22. Father, cause the moon to stand still in its place. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse uh, 8 and 9. For this thing. Now, stop. You think of your thing. Do you have a thing? Nobody, I can give you a thing if you do. I know what your thing is, you know, maybe. You, keep in mind right now, your thing or things. <laughs> For this thing. I besought the Lord three times that it might depart from me. Like, like, oh God, just melt the weight off of me while I sleep tonight, you know. <laughs> Take this thing away from me, please. You know, this spare tire, you know, whatever. Please take this thing. And he didn't do it just once. Three times he besought the Lord. Three times I asked God that he would take this thing from me. What did he say? My what? My grace. My grace is sufficient for you. He doesn't have to take it away. He gives you grace. What your thing is that you failed at, amen, it doesn't need more of your effort. It needs more of His grace. Amen. I said it needs more. You need more of His grace. Amen. My grace is sufficient for you. Now, catch the revelation in this context. For my strength, my strength is what? Made perfect, Made perfect in your weakness. Isn't that good? Isn't that what we do when we're struggling with something? 
it's, we're just thinking about us. It's just all us. Yeah. Oh, if it were just me. Me, 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 me. Us, 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 us. I can do it. I can do it. I can do it. Will, will, will. I can stop smoking. I can this. I can that. I can pray for 30 minutes. I can do all this. Right? That's, me is always wrong. When there's Him, His strength is made perfect in your weakness. Hallelujah. Listen to this in the message translation. It's like, there goes the ball. Right? And then He told me, My grace is enough. It's all you need. Now, see, that's a good place to shout. I mean, it's one of those services I thought, oh, man, this is just so awesome, so great. And then people are going. (laughs) It's just life-changing to me. My grace is enough. It is all you need. My strength comes into its own in your weakness. Mm -hmm. Then it goes on and says, once I heard that, because before he was begging God, take this away from me. But now once he heard that, I was glad to let it happen. What? Let it happen. I was glad to let it happen. I quit focusing on the handicap and started appreciating the gift. That is so rich. I stopped focusing on my shortcoming. I stopped focusing on what I have proven I can't do. And I started appreciating His gift of grace that does its best work where I am weak. Come on, that's such good news. That is such a loving, kind answer and and truth from our Heavenly Father. You have to do it on your own. You don't have to lose the weight on your own. You don't have to get fit on your own. You don't have to become a, a faithful prayer person on your own. You don't have to develop the church habit on your own. You don't have to excel in Christian service on your own. You, you don't have to be an anointed, become an, an anointed you know, intercessor in the Spirit on your own. Where are you weak? Stop thinking so much on the shortcoming and start having faith. See, it does become a faith issue. I've heard it. I've said it. I, I can't. I just can't. I don't know why I wish I could. I just can't. Is that Bible language? Is that good faith? If you're a faith person, where's your faith? You say you're, I say I'm a word person. Show me in there where it says I can't. Jesus said, I only say what I hear my father. Did he say I can't? I can't go to the cross. It's just too hard. I can't put up with all these Pharisees. I just want to slap them. Did, did that ever utter? Did that ever come out? You know how you know he felt like slapping Peter. <laughs> come on. We see vividly in the garden. He did not feel like going to the cross. Where did he turn? Did he turn to his motivational guru? His success counselor? He turned to the Lord. And God sent grace. He sent that angel down there to touch him and strengthen him. And God was with him and God graced him to do what he could not do in his own human self. So God told me today, he said, stop, tell the people, stop struggling and start yielding. 
look for, ask for, and expect His grace to flow into the area of your weakness. And you know what? When the goal starts getting met and the behavior starts changing, guess what? Don't take credit for it. Amen. When they say, how did you lose all that weight? Don't you say, well, I'm just the picture of discipline. <laughs> Don't say that, especially to people who really knew you. No, see, these things are opportunities to tell the truth. God helped me. God graced me. He moved in my life. His strength began to flow where I was weak. How did he, you get Him to do that? I asked Him to. I asked Him to help me. I invited Him to flow and to move into those areas of my weakness. And I used my faith. I expected Him. I expected Him. See, another problem with people who lack diligence is it's an unrenewed mind. It's an unrenewed mind that says, I can't, I quit. That's an unrenewed mind. You know what? You should never say, I hate to exercise. You should not say that. Or you're going to end up like Wally. Just go watch the movie. That's where society's headed, a bunch of wallies. They had these little floating chairs, and once they sat in those floating chairs, and they had Star Trek, and they, if they were hungry, they said, you know, I'd like pizza. And, uh, you know, they had someone come and bend their knee for them. And, I mean, they never got out of that little pod. They just floated around, and you can imagine what they looked like. A bunch of wallies. But see, people who need to exercise shoot themselves in the foot by saying and then they get to the gym the rare time they get there and say see I told you I hate this I just I hate this brother Copeland he'll tell his testimony about how he and God dealt with him you're going to live to 120 you better get with it you better do something and he I hate this he said God dealt with it it's an unrenewed mind Get in there and say, I love this. I'm good at this. This is helping me. God's grace is at work in my life. Now, don't say it too loud at my gym. People are wondering about you. Look at yourself in the mirror and say, it's easy for me to lose weight. I've got a rocket fast metabolism. Right? It's an unrenewed mind that speaks negatively over where we're weak. Instead, you say you're a faith person. Use your faith. Faith for what, Pastor? For God's grace to move in. Well, faith in what? I need a scripture. Philippians 4.13 says, I can. I can. What can I do? I can do all things. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. In Philippians chapter 2, there's a verse that says, He works within me, both the will and the ability to do, the, the will and to do of His... God is so good. He'll give you the will, and He'll, he'll give you the power to carry it out. Amen. And in and of yourself, you already proved it. You can't do it. That's, I'm not going to go any further. That's the answer. Amen. That's the answer to so many struggles that, that maybe you're facing every day. 
things you know need to change. Attitudes, habits, addictions. It's, it's, a, it's a grace. It's waiting on your grace. By grace through faith. But who gets the grace? The humble do. What are you going to have to do? You're going to have to admit, I can't do it. I can't do it on my own. I, need, I, can't, I can't do finances on my own. I can't, I can't, I can't do whatever your thing is on my own. And then what? Take your humble self. And what? Go to the Lord. Go to the Lord. And just ask Him. Big prayer person, big faith person. Ask Him to help you. And then you know what? It's going to get very personal. He's going to, he's going to talk to you like, you know, he'll, he'll prompt me. Don't drink that monster. You're going to bed in 20 minutes. You're going to lay there for three hours, and then it's going to be hard for you to get up in the morning. Right. What is that? Grace from the Holy Ghost living in me. If you're paying attention, try to help you, dummy. Don't take in 200 milligrams of caffeine at 9, 9 p.m. Right. Now, my wife, she's become quite the night owl. And, you know, sometimes, and I want to, but, you know, like she wants me to watch a Hallmark movie with her last night. <laughs> and I can watch that thing for 30 seconds, and I got the whole movie script written, you know, it's just so. Uh, but listen, I, 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 can't, I can't burn the candle boat and get up. Right. It's just part of the price that I have to pay. Amen. Guys, I'm sorry, I've got to go to bed. You're going to bed? They've made fun of me. <laughs> going to bed? Yeah, I'm going to bed. And that's wisdom. So, you know, listen, you asked for his help. The next time you fill up for gas, and he might say, don't go in there. Just don't go in there. Right. Don't, don't go down that Cheeto aisle. Right. <laughs> You're going to have to listen. Amen. If it's prayer, he may, you may, he may. The urge, the unction, the grace begins to flow. Go pray. Go, go pray. Go pray. I'm helping you. Go, go pray. Well, just like he's not going to levitate me off the bed. Right. He's not going to grab your jaw and, and do this for you. <laughs> But if you'll make movement, if you'll give the effort, you'll find that flow of grace in babe, right into that area. Amen. But you've got to know Him. You've got to listen to Him. You've got to have a regard for Him. And you've got to yield to Him. So you can stand up on your feet. Stop struggling, church. That's, that's the heart cry of God, I believe, for you tonight. Stop struggling. N- none of us are strong in every area. None of us. We all have shortcomings and weaknesses. Amen. But some people, if it's so serious, they'll die early. They'll die early. Because, you know, food killed them. My friend Dr. Hadabaugh said, what, what motivated, what, what is this behind this strict discipline with food? He said, my dad died young. And he said, I decided I'm not going to let food kill me. 
Now, nobody's got to be as militant about it maybe as he is. But it's working for him. But see, he, made, he saw a life cut short. The memories that he didn't get to make. The time lost for him before God. Prayers not prayed. Service not rendered. The race not run. Over what? Gratification. Food. And we can pick on food, but what about bitterness? What about bad attitude? What about, what about insubordination? What about rebellion and not being correctable? That's a bad habit. Cut your life short. But there's grace. Amen. Father, thank you.